Well, good morning, Doxa. Uh, my name is David, one of the guys on staff here. Uh, if you've got a Bible, pull it out. Um, we're continuing this series, as Rob said, through this, this kind of vision we have as a church of being this dependent people, right? People who are like running away from self-reliance towards God. And, and we're, we're talking about fasting today. So if you've got a Bible, go to Matthew 4. Actually, go to Matthew 3. We'll start there. But I've been thinking about fasting the last couple of weeks. And fasting is interesting because I think fasting raises a question for all of us that may, maybe more than any kind of practice, any other kind of discipline that a Christian could, could incorporate into their life, I think fasting, something about it, causes us to come face to face with this question, what are you hungry for? Like, what are you hungry for, right? And there's like kind of like a, it's tongue in cheek, right? It's like, oh, like literally right now I could just kill for this meal, right? Like when you fast, you like literally think about food. But the whole point of fasting is it's literally to like try to help dig down and say, yeah, there's like this normal thing we have. We need these things physically. We're hungry, we're hungry for these things. But it causes you actually to drill deeper into your soul, into your spirit and say, what am I like really hungry for? Like, what do I want way more than I even want food? What do I actually need for life in an even deeper level than I need, like, sustenance and food? And you have to actually dig really deep to find something you're more hungry for than food, especially when you haven't eaten in a couple of days. You're like, actually, I think I need this more than anything in the world, right? And so fasting causes us to ask this question, what are you hungry for? And I wanted to start with that question. What are you hungry for? Like you in your life as you come in here, you're, you're a human being, you have desires, you have this like soul, this spirit, and inside you there are like these massive longings and desires of your heart that the Bible often talks about as like hungers, things that you thirst for. What are, what are you hungry for this morning? Like what do you want to see happen in your life or in your family or in your church or in your city or in the world? And if I could like just see into your soul, you'd be like, I think I want this maybe more than anything. The reason we're going to go to Matthew 3 and 4 is because there's this really awesome picture, this window we get into Jesus's life where I think there's this moment where he kind of reveals like, this is what I'm hungry for. And so go, to, go with me to Matthew 3. This is a, a, a text you're probably familiar with. It's the story of, of the baptism of Jesus, and then we're going to go to Matthew 4, which is what happens immediately after this. So let's read three verses, chapter 3, verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, that the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Okay, so just stop there for a moment and let's just like this, this moment in, in Jesus' ministry in his life, right, is this kind of this declaration that's like manifesting itself in like real space time. Like this, this physical thing is happening or this voice from heaven where Jesus is being baptized and it's like God, his father, through the Holy Spirit is like proclaiming, hey, this is my son. Like, he has a mission. He's come to save the world. I am well pleased with him. It's this really powerful moment that kind of starts like the earthly ministry of Jesus. And this is what happens immediately after that. Turn the page to Matthew 4. It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by 
the devil. Very interesting thing <laughs> to happen right after this like high moment. It's like, okay, now you're gonna go into the wilderness and you're gonna be tempted by the devil. But then verse two says this, and after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, if you are the son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So this, this is the scene that Matthew paints for us of this moment in Jesus' life where he has this like climactic moment of like declaration from God, this is your name, this is who you are, I am bestowing on you like blessing and glory, I'm declaring who you are, I am your father, you are my son, and then immediately after that, right, put into the furnace, (laughs) the devil comes, and actually in this really cool way, we don't have time to get into this, but this is like this mirror passes the Genesis 1 and 3, right? It's like, hey, Adam and Eve, I've created you. you are my, I made, you're made in my image. Very next thing, the tempter comes and you have Jesus in the same place, right? Walking in the place of humanity, like being declared over by his father. You are my son, I'm well pleased in you. Very next thing is Satan comes and begins to try to tear away at that relationship. Are you sure you're gonna live a life dependent on God as father? Or why don't you actually just use your own strength and power to carve out a place for yourself? And this text is really interesting because I think it causes us to ask, what are we hungry for? We're talking about fasting today. And and, and the reason we're talking about fasting is because, you know, we're in this vision series trying to orient ourselves away from self-reliance and towards dependence. And last week, Rob talked about prayer, right? And he he made up this word withness, right? It's like withness. We want to be people who are practicing this. We want to be people who are with Jesus, pursuing God, pursuing his presence. And along with prayer, we're talking about fasting because fasting is this thing that doesn't just it's not just that we're with God but it's like it's training us to be hungry for him it's training our desires to kind of long after things that only God can give us specifically God himself and so what what is fasting let's just like stop like definition time right like what is this thing we're talking about well one we are talking about food right like fasting is like a denial of eating food primarily for a spiritual purpose but it's not a hunger strike, like right off the back. Like that's not what this is, right? This isn't like a, a prisoner who's like, I am not gonna eat until you give me this thing. And we're doing this with God, where we're like, God, I'm not gonna eat until you answer my prayer. And eventually because God is, you know, a father, he's like, okay, fine, I relent. I don't want you to waste away. I'll give you this thing. It, it's, it's not a hunger strike. And, and even in a less dramatic way, fasting is, it's not a way of sacrificing something valuable to us even as a way of earning favor with God. That's not what fasting is either. And and the reason we know that is because if you're a Christian, you can't earn any more favor from God. Like like he, he, he sacrificed his son for you. You've been joined with the heir of heaven himself, Jesus Christ. There's no place of favor or privilege that you could ascend to higher than what you've been given as the ground floor of Christianity because you have been joined to Jesus Christ himself. So it's not a way of earning more favor. And, and so what, what is fasting? What is this renunciation of good things for? Well, I, I think I would explain it like this. Fasting is this intentional denial of something that you are hungry for in order to orient yourself around a deeper hunger that you have, a hunger that only God can satisfy. 
Like, like fasting really does, it has to do with hunger, right? That's why most of the Bible talks about like a, a, a fasting from food because it's like denying something that we're hungry for, even something that we have like real need for in order to orient ourselves around something deeper, something that we have even more primal need for in our lives. And, and you can fast from a lot of different things, right? We can, you can fast from, you know, screens. Like I do this probably once a year. I take a month and I just say, hey, like, this is something that has the potential to control my life. It's something that I like and occupies a ton of space in my day. Like you look at your screen time and you're like, sheesh, is that really true? I hope not. And it is, like the phone doesn't lie, right? And so like there's a one month a year where I just say, hey, I don't want to do any, no, no screens, no internet, no TV. I'm just going to try to like fast from those things and try to pursue God in that way. Um, but primarily the Bible talks about food. Now, real quick, I just want to, just a side note. If, if you're in the room and we're, this whole sermon and even like the fasting we're talking about specifically, it's, it's fasting from food. But we recognize like there's people in the room that you, you have like health issues. You, you have like even like a past history of food or like a present, like a, a relationship with food that isn't the most healthy. And for you, like fasting from food might not be a good idea. Like this might not be like the specific way you fast. The thing isn't so much what you're fasting from, the thing is what you're fasting for. What is your heart in this? And so if you're one of these people that's like, hey, this whole sermon is gonna be off for me because I can't fast from food. Like I got this insulin pump on me. Like this is not a good idea for me to go on this long fast, right? If you're in that situation, what I'd just say is, hey, what is something in your life that you are hungry for and you feel like I need this? <laughs> That'd be something you could kind of put in place of food for the, the topic of this conversation. But what's interesting in the Bible is for the majority of us, the Bible is actually saying, hey, when we're talking about fasting, we're actually talking about food. And if you're like me, you're like, fasting is bad. Uh, I want to fast from something other than food because when I fast from food, I get really hungry and cranky and I'm like, bingo, that's right. <laughs> like that's literally, I think the point of it because food is actually one of the most central things in our lives as humans. I mean, like a great meal when we are truly like desperately hungry, I think is like one of the greatest experiences a human can have. Amen. Amen. Like we're, we're wired this way, right? There's something about food that's like so primal. And this is what I know this. If I took like the hungriest version of you, like the hungriest version of you, and I put you in like this restaurant, there's like your dream restaurant, and I just put like the dream meal in front of you, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that that would be like one of the highlights of your week, maybe your month, honestly, maybe your life. Like you can probably think back to some moments where you had this meal, you're like, this satisfied me in ways nothing else ever has. Like it was incredible. It's this lasting memory I have. For, for me, this was in Albania, not a, a country known for food, but there is one restaurant in Albania that to this day greatest meal I've ever had in my life. It was like 18 courses. We didn't know what we were in for. It's this farm to table place. It was like going like chef's table, Netflix thing. You, you get in and they'd like be dropping down ice cream and they'd like crack it open and smoke would come up. We're like, this is amazing. And halfway through the meal, we got like genuinely terrified because we didn't know what we were in for. We traveled an hour for this restaurant. We heard about it. We were like, this is gonna be like a thousand dollars. We're not gonna be able to pay for this. We're not gonna be able to, you know, we're not gonna be able to do anything the rest of this vacation. And because it was Albania, it was $16. <laughs> so anyway, if you're looking for a great meal, it's like genuinely worth a flight just to go there. But anyway, we enjoy food, right? And I think everyone enjoys food to different levels. Maybe I'm like a foodie or something and, and I enjoy it more than most people. But everybody enjoys food and we don't enjoy food in the same way as other things. Like we can just be honest about it. There's something markedly different about being hungry and eating than enjoying other things. Like for instance, a good meal is not like a good candle, okay? Like some of you are like candle people. 
you still like food more than you like candles, okay? By the way, um, in case you didn't know this, Rob Warren loves candles. Like, if you ever want to love on that dude, get him a candle, okay? I didn't know this. We had a white elephant gift exchange a couple weeks ago. And, and this is going to honestly shatter a lot of your visions of our big, strong pastor. But Rob walked away from that white elephant gift exchange with like a giant, warm, fluffy blanket and a candle. And you might be thinking, wow, like he lost. He didn't have good strategy in this thing. No, he stole those things from other people because this is of what he wanted. Of all the things that were there, this was his vision of a good life, a blanket and a candle. And then like two weeks later, Rob comes up to me. This is such a side note, but it's literally in my notes. Um, he came up to me and like literally had sadness in his eyes. And he was like, dude, the candle's gone. We used it already. And it was like two weeks. I was like, Rob, what in the world, man? My candles last like 10 years. Like, what are you doing? Like, do you not have electricity? Like, is this what you're using to light your house at night? I have no idea. But anyway, Rob loves candles, but not in the way he loves food, right? It doesn't matter. It's this different kind of thing. You'd never see Rob collapse in the foyer, unable to stand. And you're like, Rob, Robbie, what's going on? And he's like, I just haven't had a candle in so long, right? It's like, it wouldn't happen. But like if he hadn't eaten in two weeks, he'd probably have that, right? Food is something that we enjoy different than other enjoyments because it satisfies a hunger that comes from a really deep place. And I'm, I'm really trying to make an argument right now of saying, hey, a lot of us, I think, especially in America, and I'm not talking about like the three, five percent of us that have a thing with food. I'm talking about just the general population of American Christians. I think we're really okay with fasting from a lot of other things, but not food, because food is actually something that's like too primary to us to sacrifice. I feel that in my own life. I mean, literally, if you stop eating food, you aren't just missing out on something enjoyable. <laughs> But like the pattern of that would literally lead to your death. <laughs> you have to eat food to stay alive. Like it's that central to our life as human beings. And so this whole idea of fasting, of actually saying no to something that's actually necessary for life itself for a limited time is actually a really intense thing to do. Fasting from food is, is actually a pretty radical thing. We can be honest about that. To deny yourself from eating food intentionally is a radical thing. And, and here's, here's why it's a, a radical thing. To do that, to actually live out that pattern in your life, whether it's for a week or it's for a day or, or a meal time, whatever it is, it would mean that you would actually have to have a greater hunger inside of you to do that. It would mean that you'd actually have to be someone who was oriented towards something you needed even more than food, something that was even more central to your life. And I think that's the point of fasting. It's this intentional denial of something that you're actually hungry for, something you even need in order to orient yourself around a deeper hunger and a deeper need that you have. It's basically saying, hey, I actually need this for life itself but I'm going to go without this for a season, for a day, for a mealtime, whatever, in order to tell myself and God, I actually need you more. Like you are more necessary to my life than food. And that's a really powerful statement to make. And I think what's interesting about fasting is it takes that statement out of the abstract and it puts it into your lived life, right? Because you can say a lot of things in prayer, but fasting is like, yeah, but do you really believe that? 
How about you don't eat for a little while to communicate that to God and to yourself? It's like this lived out like affirmation like that causes you to ask this question, what are you hungry for? What are you really hungry for? Fasting brings that question to our minds. And it's an interesting topic to teach on because fasting is interesting. It's actually not in, in the whole kind of New Testament to Christians. There's no place where it's commanded that Christians fast as part of their lives. But it is like involved and surrounds every single major movement of the Bible. Like if you go back to kind of every kind of big thing that happens, you can find people praying and fasting before or after. Fasting is actually mentioned in the Bible just as much as baptism, which is kind of convicting, right? Like, I don't know about you, but like, I think about baptism more than I think about fasting. Not because we baptize ourselves every week here, right? We get baptized once, but like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, this is a big thing, but fasting in the Bible is actually mentioned just as much, and it's, it's such an integral part of spiritual life that when Jesus talks to his followers about it, he doesn't say, hey, as followers of me, you should consider fasting. He doesn't even do that. He just says, hey, as people who are spiritual and are trying to live spiritual lives, here's how you should conduct yourself while fasting. Like it was such an ingrained part of what it meant to be a follower of God that he doesn't even think to tell you to fast. He's just like, here's how you should fast. In the Bible, we see that Moses fasted, Elijah fasted, Paul fasted like for three days after his vision of Jesus on the road to Damascus. There's multiple times where all of Israel is called to fast together as a nation. You've got individuals who are fasting. The, the churches in the New Testament actually fasted regularly. Actually, Paul and Barnabas, as they're, they're like saying, uh, we're going to kind of install these new elders in the churches that they prayed and fasted during that. The, the church in Antioch was praying and fasting before they sent these missionaries out to, to go start this new work uh, to the ends of the earth. And Jesus fasted. And so the question is, do, do, we, do we fast? Do you fast? Is this part of your spiritual life? And if it isn't, I think there's a, there's a really interesting question we should ask is if this is missing in our spiritual lives what does this say about us like why would that be missing if it's actually present like through the whole course of christian history and i'm gonna think about this for a couple weeks what does this say about us and honestly i'm asking this question what does this say about me because as I walk up here, I recognize there's some irony in this. Like you could, like as I walk up on stage, you could think, dude, they bought the, the big guns in to talk about fasting. Like clearly one thing this guy on stage does not do a lot of is like eating food, right? Like I know, I recognize the irony of that. Like, I look like I haven't had a sandwich in years, okay? Like not, as, I, wish, I wish that was the reason for this body was like, man, I've just been fasting and I'm a really spiritual person. That's why I have this twig like frame. Um, I wish I could stand up here and say I'm an expert on this, and I, I, I can't. I, I can't say that. Um, fasting, I would just say this, is hard for me. I'm not an expert on it at all. I think whether it's like from some like kind of overzealous attempts when I was in college that have kind of followed me till today, there's things about this practice that I can't totally figure out how to integrate into my life. And so I'm not coming as an expert, I'm coming as a learner because I want to learn how to do this well. I want to learn how to deny this myself in this really primal way as a way of connecting with Jesus because Jesus did this and I want to be like him. And so I want to learn, I want to grow. And so maybe you can just join me in this and say, let's come to Jesus and just figure out, man, what are, what are a few of the reasons that Jesus did this and maybe we can, we can join with him in that. So Matthew 4, let's just read a couple of these verses. 
It says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Okay, we're going to come back to that verse. But I just like, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So that's like one verse, right? But there's a lot to that. Like there's 40 days and 40 nights of that, right? So you could have had multiple paragraphs of this. But I think as Christians who are reading the Bible, when we read verses like this, we should just stop for a moment and go, hmm, I wonder what that was like. I wonder what that cost him. I wonder what that felt like. I wonder what difficulties he had to go through as a human being to actually live out this fast before God for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, this place that's not really that hospitable for human beings at all. I mean, like literally in the Bible, the definition of wilderness is like not hospitable for people. And there's a ton of stuff that's going on here, you know, you see Jesus in a very real way, like kind of reliving the story of humanity, right? Like he, like where we were cast out of the garden into the wilderness, Jesus basically is reenacting that. He's basically taking the place of humanity and saying, I'm going to retell this story of humanity where I am not going to fail to the tempter and be cast in the wilderness. I'm going to actually meet the tempter in the wilderness and I'm going to be victorious and then pull all of us broken people back with him from the wilderness into heaven. There's a really powerful thing happening here, like the symbols of this whole thing. But I want to just focus on like what he's actually doing. Because this is the very first thing he does in his ministry. <laughs> I'm kind of shocked by this, honestly. He, the, the dude is like, hey, God himself, like you are his son. Like immense spiritual powers bestowed on him. The spirit of God comes and like lands on him like a dove. Like there's this powerful thing that's happening. And God, he's given a mission. And then the very first thing he does is he's like, I am going to leave all of the people God sent me here to save. And for an entire 40 days, I'm going to go be by myself with God and I'm going to pray and specifically I'm going to fast. It's just a really interesting thing. It's the very first thing he does. And so I think one of the things that Jesus is teaching us is that the reason we fast is because we fast as a way to actually connect to the presence of God. It's actually a really important thing that we need to do if we want to experience the presence of God in the full kind of way we're meant to. And this is what he says, right? As as Satan comes to him and he's basically like, Jesus has been fasting for 40 days. He's like, hey, turn these stones into loaves of bread, right? There's so much we could, there's like six sermons you could teach on this. I'm kind of getting distracted. Anyway, he says this. He responds and says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Where he's kind of, he's, Satan is coming to him, he's tempting him with food, he's saying, stop your fast. And then he, what he does is he actually quotes from Deuteronomy 8. Um, and he says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Just think about that for a moment. It's a super interesting phrase. Because we do actually live by bread, right? Like if you don't eat bread, you die. And he's like saying, hey, Satan, you're talking to me about something that I desperately need and even physically want right now, but I'm here to combat you with actually a deeper hunger and a deeper need that I have, and it's for the word of God, his presence, relationship with him. And I I think what's happening here is fasting is one of the most powerful ways you can say this to yourself. The man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. You can actually say that like a hundred times in a day, and it's actually more powerful to say it by fasting. 
And so I think Jesus is just saying, like, I, I, wanna, I don't just want to, like, say this with my, with my mouth and think this in my head. I don't just want to pray this, but I actually want my entire body to be kind of, like, wrapped up in this proclamation that God, my Father, is the thing I value more than anything in the world, even food that sustains my life. And even if I have to get to a place 40 days into this where I'm like physically weak, I'm drained of energy, I am like hungry. Like what an unbelievable understatement, right? I need those things to stay alive. But there's something my life needs even more and it is the presence of my Father. It's his words, it's his, it's his wisdom, it's his correction, it's his voice in my life. That's actually what I need even more. And so you see what Jesus is doing in this moment not just through quoting scripture, but what he's doing in this moment in his pattern of life of fasting is he's actually declaring to himself and his father a hierarchy of value. He's saying, God is more central to me than food. And he's saying that in the only way you actually can by actually living it out. Scott McKnight, he's a kind of pastor, theologian, and he says it like this. He's saying, what I'm saying is this. He's talking about fasting. He says, fasting is what happens in the Bible when Israelites or Christians, they surrender the entire person, heart, soul, mind, spirit, and body to God. Listen, he says, it is the inevitable bodily manifestation of a unified person offering herself or himself to God. It's like there's just, there's something where you're saying it where you're like, you are, you're saying something profound, but then to live it out and to act it out, it's like takes your whole self and lays it down before God in submission. Do you have a stronger hunger for God than anything else in life? It's a really big question. And I, I think if we're honest, right, we would say, well, certainly not at every moment of the day, right? Maybe not even at that many moments of the day. But one thing fasting does is it basically presents that question to us. Are you willing to continue this? Are you willing to be hungry to pursue a deeper hunger? Are you actually more hungry for something than you are for food? Are you hungry for God more than anything else? And I think that fasting is a way of saying this. It's a way of saying this, and, and I think it's a way of saying it to ourselves. It's a way of saying it to God, but fasting is also a way of like shaping ourselves to be these kind of people, because one thing that's interesting about fasting, I don't, I don't know if you feel this way about it, if you've ever tried fasting before, but fasting is relentless. It's unlike almost any of the other spiritual disciplines, because fasting will not stay in a corner of your life, right? Like if you're reading the Bible and you're saying, I want to have a habit of reading the Bible every day, that's an awesome practice. And so what you do is you go into your calendar and you find a space and you put that into your calendar. You say, God, I'm going to give you 20 minutes today, like 20 minutes of my morning I'm going to dedicate to you. And even if you're like super spiritual, you're like, I'm going to do a whole hour. Like I'm going to do the 5 a.m. alarm. I'm going to skip the gym. And I'm just going to like basically as a offering to Jesus, I'm going to spend a whole hour with him in the morning. But then you move on with your day and then you go do a bunch of other things the rest of the day. Fasting, I think the reason it's so hard for us to incorporate it into our lives is because it won't stay in the corner, right? It, it, won't, it won't stay in the part of the day we put it in, right? Because we're gonna, as a church, we're gonna try to fast over lunch, but it won't just be your lunchtime that's affected by that decision, right? Like that's gonna follow you all the way until you break your fast. You decide not to eat breakfast that day, you decide not to eat lunch, you actually decide to do that the next minute and the next minute 
and the next minute, and the next minute. It's like this thing that is constantly reminding you, hey, you are hungry, you are hungry, you are hungry, and it's this constant presence in your life in a way that almost none of the other disciplines are, and I think that's why we don't like it. Because it's like the Lordship of Christ. <laughs> I mean, I really believe that fasting is like this manifestation in our lives of the Lordship of Jesus. He's like, oh, no, 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 no. I will not stay quietly in the corner. I want all of you. I want you to be hungry for me at all times. I want you to feel inside of you this desire for me in the same way you feel this for food. Your soul actually feels that for me. You're just not as connected to it as you should be. That's one of the few spiritual disciplines we're forced to constantly engage with. And I think because of this, it brings the pursuit of the presence of God into our lives in a most holistic way of almost any discipline I know. It's relentless. But what's interesting is it's not just like we fast to experience the presence of God. I think we also fast for power. And let me explain this. Specifically, I've been, I've been trying to figure out, this is the thing I've been trying to figure out so much. Why not food? Right? That's what I've been trying to figure out. I'm trying to, because for me, this is like a hard thing. I'm like, what is going on here? Why is it so specific? It's because fasting is denying yourself the most basic path of power of this world, right? Like literally the most basic way. How do you gain strength? You eat food. Take food, you will be strengthened to do a task. It's literally denying yourself that most basic path as a means of forcing you to find power somewhere else. And in Matthew 4, I think that the reason is because fasting is for people who are about to go head to head with an enemy they know they can't defeat in their own strength. Right, this is what's happening with Jesus, right? Yes, Jesus is the son of God. Yes, he's been declared as like the, the true son of heaven himself. But he knows I actually am about to go up against a power. My humanity does not have the ability to defeat. And if I'm gonna actually go toe to toe with Satan himself, the spirit of God and Jesus himself knows I actually need to be in a place where I'm more hungry for God than I'm hungry for food in this moment if I'm gonna actually be victorious here. I need to train myself. I need to become this kind of person that actually has a different kind of power that fills me that's not a power within me. It's a power from outside of me. And so I think what Jesus is doing in this moment is he's teaching us, hey, if you are someone who is saying, I want to be involved in a spiritual battle. I want to be involved in the kingdom of heaven coming on earth. I think one of the things he's saying is then you should probably fast because it's going to immediately put you into a whole different path to power that isn't just a different way of finding powers in the world, but it's actually the opposite. You know, our world is, is pretty specific on how you become a powerful person, right? There's a bunch of different avenues, but functionally it'd be like this, okay? Meal plans, right? Protein powder, fuel your body, make it strong. And even there are certain drinks that don't make you strong, but they make you think clearly. So you gotta drink this concoction in the morning. You know, you gotta have your mushroom tea, whatever you're doing. You know, fasting in Christianity is not a means of being physically healthy. That's not its purpose, right? It's not like the Christian version of intermittent fasting where it's like, you'll get good at praying and you'll get a six pack, right? It's not what it is. It's actually the opposite of those things. It's actually intentionally shutting down your path to worldly strength, forcing you on another path where the only thing you have to depend on is God and God himself. And I think the reason fasting has fallen out of fashion with our generation is because in some ways it's like the antithesis to our modern culture. 
It's the opposite path. It's not comfortable. It's painful. And we get that, right? No pain, no gain. But we mean that in terms of our bodies. Like, I'm going to hurt my muscles, rip them apart, so they'll become bigger and stronger, and I'll be more capable in the world. But it doesn't build your body. It makes you weaker. You actually have to recover from it. Like, you actually have to, after you've spent time fasting, come back to a place of equilibrium. And it doesn't necessarily sharpen you mentally either. Right? Like, I don't know, if you're like me, sometimes it gives you a headache. It makes your mind wander. You don't think more clearly. Sometimes it's kind of fuzzy because you don't have the normal energy that you have to think. And so the question is, why fast? And honestly, I feel this. Like, this is like a real question I feel because I'm like, I want to connect with God and I want to know God in depth. But I'm telling you, when I stop eating, I get frustrated. I get cranky. uh, I can't think as clearly. It's harder for me to read the Bible. I get more distracted when I'm praying. I'll be honest with you. This is like what happens to me almost every time during the beginning of my fast. And I'm like, this is, I'm trying to connect with God. This is doing the opposite, man. Come on. Like, I don't get it. I think the reason it's hard, though, is actually the purpose. At this summer, I remember I was trying to fast, and we were, I think, doing it for somersault or something, but it was just, it wasn't a long time, it wasn't like a week or two, it was just like a, a day or, or two or something, and I remember driving home, and, uh, you know, I, you can obviously tell, like, as soon as I stop eating, I start dying. I have that kind of body, it's just my life. And, you know, I'm a day into this or something, and I'm driving home, and I am like, I'm desperately hungry, and I'm kind of beyond hungry, like, my, I'm literally just starting, like, it's hard for me to think you know, I have like a horrible headache going on. I'm just like, I'm frustrated because I'm like, I want to be able to do this better. Like, I want to be able to do this in a way that feels like more helpful. And I'm, I'm driving home and I'm looking at what I have to do at my house. I'm like, my three-year-old is going to want to play on the floor <laughs> with me. And like, I want to be able to do that with him. And, and I want to be able to go home and I want to be able to like hang out with my wife and like help her do the dishes around the house and just be this super productive person so I can love my family in the way God has called me to. And I'm like, I don't know how to do that right now. I have no energy. Like I have a horrible attitude. And honestly, like I, I'm like, I think what I need to do is just pull over, grab Poncheros or Chipotle, whatever one felt like the right, you know, we had different camps, but grab something on the way home and fill myself with food so that I can go into my life and do the things God's called me to do. And I, I was genuinely like, I think this is the right thing for me to do. And it was like in that moment, God was like, hey, you could totally do that. And that's your normal pattern. That's the thing you normally do. Or you could ask me to give you strength instead. And I was just like, oh, I think that's the point of this whole thing. <laughs> and I, I know that's so basic and so one-on-one, but for me, that was like something was revelatory in that moment because I was like, oh my goodness, like when I normally live my life, I am not having to pray to God, give me strength to play Legos with my kid. Like I don't have to normally do that because I just have strength. But what fasting did, it was actually trained me to have a deeper kind of dependence of like, no, even to do that, get on the ground, play with Legos, you actually need me to do that? Like, you actually need to have, I want you to have that kind of dependent relationship with me. So no matter how basic or simple your life is, you go, I actually need God to do that. I need you to get through this moment of the day. I actually want you to become that kind of dependent person. And fasting was something that actually opened up this new opportunity for me to ask God for strength and presence and power for things that I would normally never ask him for. It trained me. It helped me. And maybe I thought, maybe the thing that I don't like about fasting (laughs) 
how difficult it makes almost every moment of my day. Maybe the thing I don't like about it is actually the best thing about it for me, is I actually need to learn to be a radically dependent person, not so self-reliant. But it's also, I think, fasting for practice. You know, fasting is, in a, in a pretty large way, it's learning discipline. Right, because like fasting, what you're doing, like you are taking one of the most central urges of your physical body and you are saying no to it over and over and over and over again until you break your fast. Like very rarely is it just like eventually your body's like, oh, okay, I won't talk to you about being hungry anymore, right? <laughs> it's not normally like that. Normally your body's like, no, I'm gonna keep bugging you about this until you relent. Fasting is learning discipline. It's like the most obvious way of telling your flesh you are not in charge of me i am your master you will do what i say i will not follow you in everything and i think honestly that's part of what it is if you can train yourself to say no to that strong of an urge as a pattern in your life you're probably going to be way more effective at saying no when some actual sinful temptation comes into your life it's like no i know how to deny myself you know peter when he's when he's following jesus there's this moment where Jesus is like, hey, by the way, Peter, you're following the, the crucified Messiah. Like, I'm going to go on a cross, I'm going to die, and three days later, I'll raise from the dead. And Peter's flesh, <laughs> this thing in him that, like, wanted to live, did not want to take the path of the cross, was like, Jesus, no, don't do that. Like, I, that, that's not true. That's not who you're going to be. You're going to be the king that doesn't go through suffering because I don't want to follow a savior that has to carry a cross because I don't want to follow a cross. And Jesus is like, hey, Peter, get behind me, Satan. That is my path I'm walking. And if you want to walk with me, if you want to be my follower, you actually have to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me because that is the path I'm walking. And as someone who's a follower of me, it will be the path you have to walk. And I think as American Christians, one of the hardest things for us is denying ourselves. And so fasting is actually this practice that Jesus gives us as his followers that trains us to do it. And he's like, hey, yeah, your whole life with me is gonna be denial. And the farther you follow me in this, there's gonna be more of it. Because I'm not coming after a corner of your life, I'm coming after the whole thing. And you're actually gonna have to learn how to deny yourself so that you can pursue my presence and my power. Because I don't want a corner of your life, I want you to be filled with the fullness of me. And the only way that's gonna happen is if you learn to deny yourself. So what are you hungry for? What are you hungry for? And if you're someone like me who's like, I think when I look in my heart, like I know there's so much messed up stuff in there and I know I'm distracted. I've got all these like wrong patterns in my life. But I think if I really dig down deep, I really am hungry for God. I really want God. I want to know his presence. I want to know him. I want to be like him. Fasting is a way of enacting that into the world. It's a way of kind of putting this exclamation point on the end of the prayer saying, God, I want you more than anything. It's a way of taking not just our words in prayer, but our whole bodies and basically just with full force saying, I want God and the things I most want in this world, the things I'm most hungry for, are things I can't find in my own power. I can't find through knowledge. I can only find through Jesus Christ and him alone. And I'm hungry for that. Are you hungry for that? Like, do you want the world to be a different place? 
Do you want your marriage to be different? Do you, do you want like the pride in your life to die? Like, do, do you want to see your neighbors not, not know God, but actually know God and have their life transformed by his power? Are you hungry for things of God? Are you hungry for them? Fasting is one of the best ways I think we can declare that hunger to ourselves and to God. And I think as we practice this, sort of forgotten thing that Christians before us knew and for some reason we've gotten so comfortable we've forgotten about it. I think we'll become these kind of people that this will actually become true in our lives where we'll say, man, the thing I'm most hungry for, the thing I want more than anything, is I want God. And I'll give up anything in this world if it gets me a step closer to him. You know, what's so amazing about the, the passage in Matthew is it says, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And every time I've read this, I've always thought, oh man, okay, this is like Jesus at his weakest. Like this is, the tempter has come with the perfect point. Like Jesus is super hungry for bread and, and he is like gonna be at like the weakest point basically to be tempted by Satan. I don't think that's what this means at all. I think this is like one of those things the Bible's doing where it's a double meaning. It's like, yeah, he was physically hungry after 40 days, but it doesn't say he was hungry for food. It just says he was hungry. And the very next thing that happens in the whole rest of this passage is you realize Jesus is not hungry for food. He's hungry for God. And he's not just hungry for have a relationship with God. He's hungry to actually become the saving redeemer of humanity. That's what his hunger is for. And it was actually his fasting that helped train him in that. And so he's like 40 days and 40 nights after fasting, Jesus was hungry. But the thing that was actually presenting in his life was he's hungry for God. I want to be that kind of person. Let's pray that Jesus would do it. God, we want to be people who are hungry for you. God, that's what we want. We want to be people that it's a, the deepest part of our hearts, the thing we cry out for more than anything, the thing we, we just long for with our hearts and our souls and our bodies is actually just to have an experience with you, to know you. God, would you make us dependent people? Would you make us people who run so far from self-reliance, so far away from our own kind of comforts, but actually just run to you as our provider, our protector, the one we need, not just when our lives are falling apart, but the one we, we need, even if we're just gonna play on the floor with Legos with our kids, that we actually need you for every breath of life we're gonna take. Jesus, would you, even as this next week, as we try to follow you and join close with you in prayer and fasting, Jesus, would you teach us to be hungry for the right things? In your name, amen. There's a few things the Bible gives us where it's saying, hey, you, you think about these things in this way, but I want, I want to give you like a physical thing to enact to help like drive that truth deep into your heart. Fasting is one of them, but the other is actually, a, a, is actually eating something. It's kind of funny after a talk on fasting to eat together. But it's actually perfect, right? Because the thing fasting is doing is saying, it's like, I have bread that we, the world doesn't know about. I have food that the world doesn't know about. And it actually satisfies me in a deeper way than any meal ever could. And that's what communion is about. 
is it's Jesus Christ saying, hey, in the same way that food fills you and satisfies you and makes you whole, I'm telling you, I came to do that for you for not just the surface level hunger you feel physically, but the deep hunger you have in your soul. I came to be bread for you, to be juice for you, to be life for you. And in communion, not only do we like take that into us, like physically this reminder that we are like consuming Jesus in us, we're becoming part of him, but we also remember the cost that Jesus paid to become bread of life for us. Bread is something you consume. It gives life to people as they consume and degrade it. And just like that, Jesus Christ was on the cross. His body was torn in two. He was bled out. He actually had to be degraded on the cross so that we could actually consume him and he could be life for us. And in communion, that's what we do. We remember the cost that Jesus paid to become life for us. So let's take communion together. This is his body that was broken for us. And we have the cup. And in the cup, we remember that his blood was spilled on our behalf of taking drink together. If you would, would you stand with me? As we praise Jesus in this moment, I want you to actually pay attention to your body. Right, we're talking about fasting, like, like what is our body doing? Does it correspond with our heart and soul? I want, as you're worshiping, I want you to just pay attention, like what posture would my body take if it was actually like mirroring what my soul feels right now? And I want you to just feel freedom, like whatever that is for you, do it. Like if you're like, I want to get on my knees because I just feel humble. I want to lift my arms because I just feel like, I, I just feel like I want to just heap praises on Jesus. Whatever it is, let your body be part of your worship. Because we are embodied creatures who serve a living God. Let's worship together.